welcome to Burnham Brothers Podcast, episode number eight, brought to you by our official sponsors, of course, Cartel Los Angeles, the Australian outlet, Rascal, and our new partners, uh, Yoga for BJJ. Uh, we'll have a link up on our uh, social media pages, plus on this podcast, once we release it, you get a 14-day free trial and um, sign up, you'll love it. Uh, I started doing it probably six weeks ago, and love it. Um, but yeah, today's guest is a uh, brown belt under Kaitera who has meddled at pretty much everything, uh, Gi Worlds, no Gi Worlds, Europeans, ADCC, trials, and now he's officially public enemy number one in Australia. No. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After beating uh, Australia's best jiu-jitsu, uh, Craig Jones, it is none other than um, Mason Fowler. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Hey, guys. Nice to, uh, nice to be here. I feel like I'm a little bit kind of in enemy territory right now. But, uh, <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> No, nah, not at all, man. Not at all. So we'll get straight into it. What was it like uh, getting the W against one of the best no-gear grapplers in the world? Uh, not only once, but then backing up a month later to, to cement that win. Yeah, it felt good. Uh, man, I just, uh, I've been thinking about getting that win for almost a year now. The first time that I had a match with him, which was really close, was in September. And uh, I've been wanting to get that one back, so... Man, I had a lot of a lot of nights where I lost sleep over that match. So now I feel like I finally um, I finally made it right, and now I can kind of let that go and then look towards the future. Yeah, because apparently there was um, a bit of controversy in that ADCC match, wasn't there? Also, what was the go there? Yeah, so there was there was a sequence where where I scored a takedown, and I wasn't given the points, and um, it, it was like really clear where. Craig came out afterwards and talked about it and said that it was a pretty clear two points. And um, one of the heads of ADCC came out and talked about it and said that it was a clear two points. So that makes, that almost makes it even worse when it's like, everyone knows that like everyone's in a, agreeing that you got robbed, you know? Uh, but then obviously there was controversy in our second match as well. Um, and then, you know, the third one, pretty that one was a little bit more clear I, I followed the same the same kind of game plan as the second match yep. and then was able to actually finish in the same way so I feel yeah. like that kind of justified even maybe the second match yep um it's got to be so frustrating though like to be robbed in that first match then the second match you win it and then there's a lot of people talking smack you gotta what would have been so frustrating for you but it's great that you could get the um the second win and just shut everyone up. So it's awesome. Yeah. So for me, it was, uh, I mean, in my mind, I, I was just thinking like, okay, the jujitsu gods, like maybe they just like gave it to, you know, if there was controversy, it's like, I deserved it, you know, like, okay. Uh, I kind of got screwed in the first one. Craig got screwed in the second one. Like we're even type of thing. Yeah. Um, and also like Craig, Craig didn't come out and complain about it at all too. You know, he was, he was being really cool about the whole situation he was down to do it again right away. Um, so that made it a little better. It would have been even like a little bit worse if Craig was like, like talking shit all the time too. So, you know, at least Craig was being cool about it. Yeah. Craig's that type of guy. Like he's, he's so humble and so down to earth. I don't think he, um, I can't remember him ever sort of whinging about bad decisions or, or, or that sort of thing. He's pretty open and honest about it. No, never. And then even his, his ADCC run, if you go back and watch the match that he, he lost after submitting 
he submitted Murillo and Leandro, I think. Um, and then after that, he lost to Shanjay uh, Hibero. And he kind of got cheated in that match. Yep. On the, on the restart, you know, he, he had uh, he had his hands locked from, from the back and they were both standing. They went out of bounds and then they restarted. And when the ref said go, he didn't have his hands locked yet. And Sean Jay immediately just turned out of the position. And that's a really, really good position to score from. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's, you know, it's a really hard position to get to. And uh, he clearly kind of got screwed there as well. And I don't remember really hearing anyone talking about that. Yeah. So he's also, you know, felt it in the past and, you know, hasn't came out and complained about it. It's hard though. Yeah, no, I agree. Like what you said uh, after that ADCC when you lost. It, it is worse when people come out and say, oh, yeah, that was bad. Well, you know, he probably should have won that. He should have done this. Should You know, that makes it worse for, in my point of view too because they sure. know you won, but you didn't. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, it, it, if you go back and look, too, I posted one video of the sequence, and it just said, like, what do you guys think? Was it two points or not? But I didn't, like, you won't find one post or interview of me complaining about it yeah. um, because, every, I mean, when's the last time that one of your friends lost at a tournament or something, and then he's just like, yeah, man, he just beat me. He was better than me. Like, almost every time someone loses, they always have something to say about it. Yeah. So I just didn't want to be that guy because – at the end of the day, I didn't get my hand raised, you know? Yeah. yeah. I guess um, you can't really, even though you did get robbed, you can't really change the outcome of that. Even if you do complain, it's just like yeah. the next one. Yeah, there, n nothing ever changes. Yeah. And it was rough, too, because because after that, Craig, um, his next match was John Blank, who's a 10th Planet Black Belt, who's really good, but I think I have a really good style to beat him. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, if I if I get through that match – boom, I'm in the finals with Denise. And then, and then you know, I'm a brown belt, my first ADCC in the finals fighting Denise. And I also think I have a really good style um, for Denise with the ADCC rules. And, uh, I mean, whether or not I, I would have won that match, I just know it would have been a fun scrap too. Like, Denise has a, has a similar style to me. He does a lot of wrestling. He's a grinder. He'll, he'll get in your face. And yeah. uh, I would have loved to have – had that match, you know, I was in the best shape of my life and uh, to be able to just scrap with Denise in the finals, that would have been a huge moment for me. Yeah, so yeah. I, you know, that was all just gone like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So frustrating. Yeah. It was frustrating, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm over it now. It's done for a while, but you just got to get out. You got to keep moving on. You can't sit, sit and think about it. Now I got to make another opportunity like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So even after that, uh, the, the latest fight, there's still been uh, a lot of people talking shit um, that I've seen online about um, the style you went in with. Um, running away is what they say. Oh, he was running away, waiting for overtime and stuff. I see that as smart jujitsu. Um, yeah, yeah. If I'm a like, if I'm going to have a fight with Mike Tyson, I'm not going to stand there and try and punch him in the face. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to take him to where I want it to be. And that's yeah, – I find that good tactics. And I, I thought both in both of your fights, in the first one and the second one, you had perfect tactics. Yeah. Like, and Craig's a great leg locker. Why would you want to leave your leg in there? How did you, yeah, exactly. how did you deal with all that? Yeah. And uh, it, it's just the 
it's just the rule set. If if you put me and Craig in ten different rule sets, you're gonna have ten completely different matches. Like, yeah, if, sure. if you watch the two matches, they were really similar, right? But then if you watch our ADCC match, it was completely different. Yep. Um, night and day different. And so, yeah, I mean, it, you gotta just. Uh, it's the rule set. It's me and him are different skill sets. I know he's really dangerous um, on bottom. And in order for him to, to catch me in something, I would have really had to put an effort to pass. But I, I don't really have a motivation for passing, you know, because there's no points for passing. Correct. So it's kind of, you know, it is what it is. Uh, no matter what happens, if I get a win over Craig, um, his fans and, and his people are still going to, you know, they'll find something they complain about. Just like if no matter how, no matter how Craig were to beat me, my teammates and my friends and stuff would still tell me like, oh, that was bullshit. You know, he just did this or this. So you, you can't let it get to you. No, I, was, I was about to say, yeah, I think um, Craig has a quite a big like fan base and like <clears throat> sure. fans that get very um, invested into Craig's fights more than what I've seen with other fan bases. So when he does lose, which isn't super often, they are very upset about it and they'll find something to pick on. That's what I've seen personally. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he has like over 10 times as many like followers on Instagram as me. So if you see hate and it's like <clears throat> five to one hate uh, people like saying good job, then it's like, oh, okay, well, that's not that bad because his fans are like 10 to one for me, you know, so – yeah. No, that's true. Well, now that we've drilled you about um, being Australia's number one um, enemy right now, no. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a bit about Mason Fowler. What? Uh, tell us about yourself a bit. Uh, yeah, I uh, I got into um, MMA when I was eighteen, and uh, was following that for a little while, and then realized that it's a long road to be successful and most fighters don't end up uh, making much of themselves. Um, and then even like after, after you're done fighting, you don't really have a lot to fall back on. And um, I just saw with jujitsu was a little bit of a, a safer as far as longevity, um, especially with like your brain and your mental health. It's not really smart to be getting punched in the head day in and day out. Um, but I was very passionate about combat sports and about um, jiu-jitsu in particular. And uh, I got in a little bit later than a lot of the guys, but I've just been consistently training, you know what I mean? Like never really taking time off, um, getting to the gym every day and just working, working, working. And uh, now I've been able to make a little bit of noise. I was making a little bit of noise even when I was like a purple belt Um but I think now I'm breaking out a little bit more and uh, I just want to keep riding the wave. And right now I'm 27. So definitely want to compete for a couple more years and test myself at black belt and, you know, compete ADCC one or two more times and then start transitioning over. I think I've built a big enough um, credentials for myself where if I was to open up an Academy, it would be really successful. So that's the goal long-term, you know, I don't want to be competing until I'm like 40 just a couple more years, get get whatever I can, and then transition into uh, into an instructor. Yeah, good on you. That's great. What's um was it a hard decision for you to to um to 
turn away from MMA because I think your record was eight zip, wasn't it? Like you were and two yeah. pro rings as well. So you had a, like a pretty impressive start to your MMA career. Yeah, no, it was horrible. It was a really, really tough decision. I, I just, um, I started to already um, see the problems long-term of head trauma and uh, I had some bad experiences with concussions and yeah. just kind of had to look myself in the mirror and just be honest with myself. And um, now, obviously now looking back, I know that I made the right decision, yeah. but at the time I didn't know if it was the right decision. And my whole circle was all MMA fighters. Um, and so it's kind of like, I don't know, you feel, you almost feel like you're quitting, you know, but it was, it was something that I had to do. It's so true though, like what you say, because, uh, and that's a big decision for someone, especially an athlete. A lot of the times they can't see um, past their goals, if you know what I mean. Like, and you could see that, like you could see there was already yeah. troubles with head trauma and stuff. And that's, it's a smart decision in my eyes. Yeah, definitely. The last thing that you want to be is, um, you know, a fighter that can't go back to functioning in, yeah. in, uh, in reality and can't go back to working or sustaining a job and, you know, memory issues and issues with your mood and issues with your relationships. And yeah. So uh, now, obviously now looking back, it was definitely the right decision. So yeah. I'm glad it happened, but yeah, it was definitely really tough to walk away. Would have been. And I was reading about yourself. Uh, apparently you're a bit of a wild lad. Uh, growing up in your teen years, uh, how wild! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was real bad. <laughs> yeah, I put my I put my parents through hell. Man. Oh, really? When I was like, yeah, like when I, it was when I was like in high school. You know, I went through like a really just crazy stage, man. I was I don't know what was wrong with me, dude. But <laughs> by the time uh, by the time I was like by the time I was like seventeen, eighteen, started playing rugby, then that kind of pulled me out of it i needed sports I... um i guess lucky that you found jujitsu to like help get you through it and um sports in general it's uh, one of the great things about it yeah yeah so the first thing was rugby rugby pulled me out of the the stage that i was in and uh and kind of gave me a new group of friends. The big thing too was just being in the wrong circle. Started, you know, making a lot healthier habits for myself through sports. Yeah. Um, and that put me in a position where when I was ready to start training MMA, I already was living a little bit more of that, uh, the lifestyle of an athlete. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I think uh, the circle of friends makes such a huge difference. Like if you, if you're surrounded by people doing bad things, you're going to feel like doing bad things is the normal. Whereas you surround yourself with people who are doing good things, you know, it makes you want to be better. And like, um, like, um, that like group mentality, you know, you want to, you want to be your best. So that's, that's good. Yeah, definitely. Um, you're now training under the legend Kaitera. <clears throat> um, how did that come about? And also, I just seen recently he's had to uh, close his gym due to COVID, um, which we're currently going through here as well. How is that going to affect your training? Or yeah, so um, really, 
Um, I, I was training uh, in Fresno um, at an MMA gym, right? The same gym I was training uh, to fight under. And uh, there was just a lot of times when I, I mean, I would go out to tournaments by myself and I would be the only competitor. And, uh, and then we got a full-time coach here and he was here for two years and he was really great. Uh, his name's Gabriel Fonseca. He's still like a brother to me, um, even today. And then, so for a while it was like me and him. And we had like a couple other guys that would compete sometimes. And then he ended up getting an opportunity to open an Academy in Florida. So, um, you know, he took that opportunity and then it was just me again. And, uh, I, I kind of, in my mind, I had three options, um, which would be San Diego, Los Angeles, or San Jose because I was in Fresno in, in California as well. And uh, those are three places where there's big teams. And I don't know. I just ended up um, going – I had a friend. Uh, he's a UFC fighter named Deron Wynn, and he was living in San Jose. He was training at AKA, um, really good friend of mine. And so he actually let me come, and, like, I would drive down. It's only two and a half hours from my hometown. And I would sleep on his floor through the week. And then I would like go back and stay at my parents' house on the weekend. And then on Monday I would come down and like sleep on his floor and train at Kyle's. And uh, I, I liked the training and all, all the guys there were really cool. I had a good vibe with all the other competitors. And um, eventually they, they told me that they would kind of set me up with a room and I could move down there and train full time. So I just jumped on the opportunity. Yeah, that's good. And now with that closing due to COVID, is that going to affect you much or? Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll figure it out. We got other spots to train at. Yeah. Um, Jake Shields is not too far from us and he has a, a small team he's been working with and he invited me to go down there with a couple of our guys. So um, definitely, I mean, between Jake and, you know, uh, Gilbert and they have a couple other really tough guys there and then, you know, I'm sure I'll still get some training with Yuri and my other teammates, Benji, Kenyella, Jeremy. We got a bunch of black belts there um, that are really consistent training every day. So um, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to set everything up. There's going to be more hoops to jump through, but I think that we're going we're gonna to be able to figure it out. It's going to be fine. I'm still going to get the same level of training. It's just going to take a little bit more effort to set everything up. Yeah, yeah. Um, it sounds like uh, you're – train with a lot of different people. You're very open-minded about it. Um, would you, is, would you consider Kyo as like your main coach? I know you said you have your friend in um, Florida, but you also train with a lot of other people. Like is Kyo your main coach? And if so, um, is he to be the one that would grade you in the future? Yeah. Yep. Kyle, Kyle's the main guy. And uh, he's there. I mean, our normal schedule, we're doing comp class every day um that's like what's mandatory and then and he has me coming to even do his night classes in the gi even like when I'm training for no gi events I'm still coming to his night class and uh he completely oversees all the training that I'm doing like every day when I see him he's asking me okay like what are like what did you do yesterday or like what did you do today did you lift did you do you know if, if he's gone he's like texting me like did you do night class he's like on top of me like that's no way I can slack off. Like if I miss one, he's out of town and I like miss a class. He knows about it. And he's like, like Mason, what are we doing? Like, come on, man. We're going to, we're trying to be the best. Like he's on me, dude. So yeah, he's the man. He's the one. 
That's awesome. Did you um? Yeah. Did you get um brown off him? Or you I got my brown you... belt from from my old coach Gabriel. Um, yeah. And yeah. I was a brown belt for a year before I came to CTA, and now I've been at CTA for a year and a half. So yeah. I'm I'm two and a half years into my brown. So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> Kyle still does want me. I, I haven't competed yet at Worlds at brown belt because the first year i was a brown belt i was injured i had a really serious knee injury and then the second year as a brown belt now is covid so yeah he does want me to compete at worlds at least one time at brown belt which i totally understand so definitely yeah. up to kyle whenever whenever he wants me to wear the black belt i'll wear the black belt and if he wants me to wear the brown belt i'll continue to wear the brown belt that's awesome. such a good attitude um because kuba's the same kuba's a brown belt and yeah he was uh Worlds this year was going to be big for him. He, his coaches are saying like he wants him to get yeah. Worlds at Brown and stuff like that. And yeah, it's such good to have to see the respect you have for Kyle. Um, that you'll just yeah go along with whatever he says. And also, I think it's great that uh, he makes you do the uh, his gi classes at night, even though you're training for a uh, no gi combo. I think that's fantastic. Oh no, for sure. Yeah, he wants me definitely in the gi and even when i have like a big no gi match he's like okay but remember we still have like this this and this and i've talked to him too like like man kyle um uh, these no gi guys you know they're just doing no gi like i, I want to be the best and and he just isn't having he's like mason the best guys are the guys that win adcc and black belt gi worlds those are the best guys yeah so that's his plans for me yeah so, um, uh, he, yeah that's fantastic I think it's um, awesome as well um, that you can do gi and no gi because you can um, evolve in both sides of the sport and um, be a very well-rounded grappler. I think it's awesome. Yeah, and he did have a good point too. He um, he told me like, Mason, think of all the guys that specialize in no gi. They all started in the gi. Like Gordon and Craig, they already got black belts in the gi and then they transitioned to solely no gi so i do think that um training in the gi is important at first just to really um get the fundamentals and the techniques of jujitsu i think if you just only do no gi your whole career um in the beginning especially i think you're going to focus a lot more on on scrambles and strength and athleticism and the gi really makes you focus more on technique yeah that's awesome um i think uh, a lot of people in sort of my generation get inspired by seeing people like Craig and Gordon just being successful in the no gi and they forget they did start in the gi and now they're trying to follow them, but without doing the gi. And I think it's, um, they're just going to, in my opinion, neglect that side of jiu-jitsu and in the future, especially if they want to have a school or something, you know, it's really important that they can um, teach in the gi and everything. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really important to do both. Yeah. And in Australia, actually, uh, Craig, before he hit the big time in Nogi in Australia, he was known as a great gi fighter. Um, yeah, there's a there's an old video I saw of him uh, fighting Nicholas Marigali in the gi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's a lot of videos from him at Abu Dhabi competing. Yeah, yeah, we used to see him compete all the time because um, he was from Adelaide originally, and we'd go and do the South Australian Open and stuff like that. And Craig was there competing his blue and purple belt uh, and brown belt, and then Cooper trained with him at Absolute. Um, while he was there, and yeah, before he sort of hit the big time in Nogi, he was yeah, known as a gi fighter. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, 
Um, so even though you started in jiu-jitsu sort of late, um, as you said, like uh, I think you said you were sort of 18-ish when you started jiu-jitsu. Was that, was that right? Yeah. Yeah, 18. 18. It's pretty late when in terms of um, an, a professional competitor. You see like most of the people start when they're like kind of – a lot of my main rivals started when they were like five. I started when I was like 12. Um, so it's pretty. It's yeah. actually pretty crazy how good you are, considering you started at 18. Because a lot of people consider that a late start in terms of competitive. In jiu-jitsu, I think that's just an, an early start. I think most people start jiu-jitsu at like maybe like 25 or something. But as a professional, like, it's like yeah, um, awesome. You've still done something well. Yeah. So then my only like thought that kind of helps me with that too is um, think of how many kids that started too that got burnt out. Yeah. So I've only been, you know, I've been trained, I'm, I'm 27 and I've been training for, you know, nine years or so. Um, yeah. But I'm still passionate about the sport. A lot yeah. of kids, especially when, when they're younger and their parents are like forcing them to train, they get super burnt out and unmotivated and then they just. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. That's true. We have a joke in, um, in our, because we come to the States quite often for Coop to compete and our younger boy also. Um, but Coop has grown up in, like, the guys that were always in his division overseas were, um, like, Andy Murasaki's and Taylor Delpers and uh, Roberto Jimenez. They were always in Cooper's divisions and they've all got black belt dads and Cooper's thing with me was, well, that's where I've gone wrong, Dad. You're not a black belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was always my Dang, yeah, it's dirty, man. <laughs> hey, he gave me he gave me a bad start. I couldn't compete with him, so it's my dad's yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I lose your fault, Dad. Yeah, that's all right. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, even though, so even though you started late, um, who have you been your jujitsu idols? Man, it's crazy because like I didn't even know I didn't know any of the guys when I was competing um, because I was just a fan of of like the UFC and I was really only doing jujitsu for MMA fights. I I wasn't training in sport jujitsu. Yep. So like I remember I was I was at Worlds at Purple Belt the year that I won and then someone I think my coach said something to me about Leandro Lowe. And I was like, oh, like, I, like, who is that? Who? Like, I didn't, I didn't know anyone. Even, even, um, man, I, I knew, I knew like Galvao because he had fought in MMA as well. I knew the guys that like went to MMA. Yep. And then afterwards, like, especially when I moved to San Jose, um, they're really big on studying. Like all, like obviously Kyle and then all the other guys there, they study a lot. And uh, I never used to do that, so. Yeah, just uh, from being there, I, I I now understand the game like so much deeper, like on a deeper level. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You, you sound so much like Cooper, to be honest, because he had no idea who any of these people were either. Like we'd we'd go to Worlds, and he'd be one year we went to Worlds, and he was sitting next to Leandro Lowe, <laughs> and I had to elbow Cooper and say, "Look who's sitting next to you." <laughs> yeah, like one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, and Cooper had no idea. So then you got a selfie. But yeah, it's so funny. Um, who's next on the list? I see you got a big announcement coming soon. Don't suppose you want to tell us. Yeah, no, I can't <laughs> break it yet. Um, I would I would just look out. Um, 
the next, I think, day or two, it's going to be the news is going to be broken. Yep. Um, I think every I agreed already to the match. Um, I, I think it's been agreed to on his end as well. And uh, I think we're just waiting on them to make like a, a cool like poster. Yep. So I don't want to spoil it. Um, but I would say within the, next, within the next day or two, it'll be it'll be announced. Will the event be soon though, or do you get a time like do you get a bit of break? Because I know these like last two fights are close. Yeah. So it's it's going to be in um, in one more month. So oh, shit. pretty much had five weeks between. So um, the first week I just was focusing more on uh, on doing a lot of recovery and then only training once a day and not going like super crazy. Um, and then now I'm going to have like a full four weeks to train hard, which really only is like three and a half weeks. But um, I wanted to make sure because I did like three camps back to back to back. I wanted to do one week with a lot of like recovery work. How's the body feeling then after? Yeah, because that's a lot of lot of fight camps all in a row. Yeah, so like the last couple of weeks of that, the last training camp, the body was like really broken down. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the last week you go a little bit lighter. So showing up into the match, I felt pretty good. Like during the match, I didn't feel any of the small, you know, little nagging injuries that I had at, that I had um, during the camp, obviously because the adrenaline and stuff too. Yeah. Um, but then even com coming back to training, um, on Tuesday, I, my body felt a lot better. Um, and then, yeah, just this whole week, just been working on a lot of strengthening, doing a lot of physical therapy type workouts and doing a lot of mobility type workouts to make sure that I can go right back to pushing hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So what, in, in one of your um, leading up to a big fight, like say that three and a half weeks where you're going to have a big fight, what, do you, what does a typical day of your training look like? Yeah, so um, every camp has been different. Um, we've kind of adjusted a little bit. Um, but uh, I, I prefer to do – I like to do um, more like conditioning. Yep. Uh, we do a lot of like hard training. We do our competition class five days a week and then try to jump in Kyle's ski class uh, maybe like two, three times a week. And then I do, um, I do the functional patterns. I don't know if you've heard of it. I don't know if it's real big out there in Australia, but nice. it's uh, somewhat, it's like a strength and conditioning program that's meant for more uh, mobility and uh, functional strength and helping your body move properly. Yep. Um, and then I like to use, I like to use the Aerodyne bike for conditioning. Yep. I have a, a certain workout that I do on that. And uh, I always track my numbers on that. So you can kind of see when you're, when you're peaking yourself. And then you can kind of see too when your numbers are dropping that maybe you need to, you know, chill a little bit. Uh, and then I like to do sprints too. That's just like, like to go out and uh, hit the track and just go do sprints on the grass. I like to be outside. Yep. Yeah. Just to change things up. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. How long does um, a competition class go for? Minimums two hours um, at most, Ooh. usually like two and a half. Uh, it's usually we do an hour of drilling. Um, yeah. And then that's when that's when Kyle will usually be breaking down the game plan. He still he studies a lot more than me and he'll come up with the game plan and he'll come up with the techniques that he wants me to attack with. And yeah. uh, I, I think that I'm really good at following Kyle's game plan because he gives me things to do. And then when I go back and watch like matches, I do a lot of the things that that we work on specifically. Um, but he, man, I mean, he's a genius, dude. Just the smallest things he tells me to do, 
I'll do it in the match and it'll work literally exactly how he yeah. says it will. Or he'll yeah. tell me like, listen, you're going to do this and then he's going to do this and then you're going to do this. And then like, it, it's so weird as it's happening. I'm like, Oh shit. It, like <laughs> even my opponent is reacting exactly how Kyle told me he was going to react. It's insane. Yeah. That's awesome. I think um, yeah. I would probably appreciate it as well because it sounds like you're a really easy student to work with. Cause I know a lot of coaches will try and tell their students game plans, but the, the students either don't listen or they, once they're in the fight, it just goes out the window. So I think being able to listen and apply makes such a huge difference too. Yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't say that Kyle would probably say I'm difficult to deal with, um, <laughs> but that's just because I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm set on the way that I like to do things. And then he, you know, obviously has made it to the top doing things a yeah. different kind of way. So I wouldn't say I'm easy to deal with. I'm definitely hard for him to deal with at times, but uh -huh. as far as him giving me something and then me applying it during the match, I would say that I'm easy in that way. Yeah. yeah. That's so good to have someone in your corner like that. who's so invested in, in all your big fights and stuff and, and does all that research and says, Oh yeah. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. Totally. I mean, he's totally invested in me. Yeah, that's good. So if you were to, uh, we're almost done here, by the way, so we don't keep you too much longer. Um, okay. If you had to pick a quintet team, who and you're the captain, who would your uh, four people be in your team? It's anyone from like the past what? in their prime. Oh, not just our team? Not yeah, anyone. Anyone. Like Is anyone, it here or no? Any era, anything. Um, Maybe, maybe Nogi, because that's what you do a lot of. Okay, so yeah, Nogi. Um, and what, we get five guys? Yeah. I'm just going to put all the guys from our team, man. We got a good squad. I, I would definitely put Yuri as like our heavyweight and then me at the next weight down. Um, and then definitely Kyle as our, as our, as our small, you know, uh, rooster weight. Yeah. Um, those three are easy. And then... Man, it's crazy, too, because uh, even, like, Hudson. Hudson is known as a gi player, but his no-gi game is ridiculous. He's so good no-gi. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'd slide Hudson in there uh, at, what, at maybe, like, our 88. And then the next one down, um, I would put – man, I, I mean, we have Benji, Kenyella, and Jeremy. Whichever one of them could make 77, throw one of them in there. <laughs> I'll – I'll put all of our, you know, I'll put all of our CTA guys. I think we have a sick team. Even some of the lesser known guys, they just haven't had like their breakout performances yet. But we got some really good guys in there. Yeah, that's good. That's cool. Usually, usually you have people choose just like random big names or people they're friends, like friends with, but not from the same team. So you're the first person who said um, someone like people from your team. So it's cool. Yeah, I'll choose my whole team because. I mean, well, your team is pretty. Yeah, I'll rather go to war with my squad, you know? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's good. So we have a, uh, a little fast five section where we just ask you uh, random questions just for. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So, favorite song? Favorite song? Yeah. Oof. Um, 
honest? My favorite song right now is Rags to Riches by um, by Rod Wave. Yep. Favorite kind movie? of fitting right now for what we're going through, too. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a favorite movie? Um, oh, so many, man. Uh, Kill Bill. Yep. Uh, favorite submission? Rear Naked Choco Plata. The Oma Plata with the Rear Naked Choke that I hit in the finals of the trials. That's, that's definitely the best one that I've, that I've hit so far. Nice. <laughs> Uh, I think I know the answer to this question, but we'll ask it anyway. Gi or no gi? Man, I, I'm going to say no gi, but it's not – I really do love the gi. I just think I'm a little bit better no gi, but yep. – uh, Yeah, I definitely love the gi too. Yeah, cool. What's love your favorite that. thing to do outside of jiu-jitsu? Um, I mean, just on a day-to-day basis, Call of Duty – just because it kind of gets, <laughs> it, it gets your mind off of things, you know? And uh, also it's something you can do where you're like really zoned into it. And, but your body's kind of in a resting, you know, in a resting position. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And our last question that we always finish up with is um, tell the people something that they'd be surprised to know about Mason Fowler. Um, surprised to know. I got nothing off the top of my head. <laughs> I'm an open book, you know? Um, yeah, you're going to have to, I'm going to have to save that for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We'll have you back anytime. Yeah. That question's been to a lot of people though. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna need like uh, I'm gonna need a week to plan something out for that one. <laughs> I guess um, the Call of Duty thing could could count as something that people would be surprised to know. It's like something. Yeah, we'll put that on there. Yeah. Yeah. I actually considered getting like a getting like a gaming PC and like starting a stream or something, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Nice. Nah. Yeah. Sounds like um, Dad. Sounds like Mason be perfect friend for Bodhi. Yes. My youngest son, Bodie, is 16. He's a full-on gamer. I also, nice. also full-on with Jiu-Jitsu as well, and uh, he's been training with the MMA team in our gym this last couple of weeks, and he kept telling me he's going to have a fight. I'm like, God, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's it from us this time. Uh, we just want to thank you for joining us. Um, it was really cool to, to meet you and... Um, learn a bit more about Mason and uh, I want to thank Zach also for hooking us up. Zach uh, came to my gym when he was out here in Australia for his work and uh, yeah, it was cool. He was uh, such a nice guy to meet and kept in contact. It was a random. Man, Zach, Zach, we were training in MMA together uh, when I was, when I was really young in the sport yep. and uh, he was fighting at 185 and I was fighting at 170 and he had already been training for, maybe a year or two ahead of me. So he was like bigger, stronger than me, and then also better than me. And he just used to like beat the shit out of me. Not in a bad way, not in like a malicious, mean kind of way. He just always would beat me. I would like pull up to the gym, and if he was there, I'm like, fuck guy, you know? Now it's kind of cool that now like I can kind of give him a little payback, you know what I mean? (laughs) 
no, he's a cool guy. Um, so yeah, yeah no, he's one, a really good friend. Yeah. When when um when he came to Australia, I was on um I was finishing my last year of high school, and I was back home in the country where Zach was for his work, and. Dad said, oh, there's a guy from America coming to the gym. And I thought, oh, man, I, I can't be stuffed, like, going so hard, like, right now. I'm trying to – this is, like, my rest weekend back home. And then I was like, hopefully it's just, like, some, like, washed-up blue belt coming to roll. And then he rocked up. He was, like, pretty young, fit-looking dude. I was like, oh, I hope he's, like, not, like, too good. And then he pulled out his brown belt. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> Zach, Zach is maybe one of the best guys that I've trained with that isn't, like – chasing to be a competitor he like has his career and his family um but he's always just been so good man he's yeah. he's just athletic and uh really technical always training yeah he's definitely probably one of the best guys i ever uh trained with that like had his whole career and everything on the side and was i mean he just trains for fun and he's a monster yeah. dude yeah it's crazy how good he is like um so crazy i'm i'm a pretty good guard passer myself and um more so now but like compared to two years ago i still consider myself like pretty good at guard passing and couldn't pass his guard for the life of me i tried so hard went back to him like two different rounds i put everything into it i could not pass his guard i was devastated <laughs> yeah devastated that's good well, yeah, thanks again, man. And uh, hopefully we can um, do it again and we'll keep an eye out for this latest announcement that's coming in the next few days. And, um, yeah, we'll definitely try and, uh, like I said, we come to the States quite often for the majors and we'll try and catch up one time, come and train with you guys. Or uh, if you're out in Oz, yeah, shoot us a message and um, we'll organise some seminars and shit for you. So Nice. Yeah, that would be perfect. Awesome. I don't know. I might get assassinated or something if I go to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, they'll get their own written. Yeah. No, nah, all good. Thanks so much. Right. For the, really appreciate it. Cheers, yeah. man. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Sorry again about yesterday. Hopefully, this one made up for it. No, nah, all good. <laughs> no, nah, no worries. Thank you so much. Okay. All, all right. right see you guys. Cheers, buddy. Later.